You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. It's great to see all of you here this afternoon at City Church. My name is Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I've got to tell you, as a kid, I cried a lot. I cried all the time, especially when I lost at things. Um, And that happened a fair amount. I cried uh, when I lost basketball games and my rec specs filled up with tears. Um, I cried when I was doing different competitions with my sisters and they were better at it than I was. And one time I punched my arm through a plate glass window because I was so upset. I cried uh, when my team lost in Quiz Bowl. It's true. And one time in particular, after uh, an especially crushing Quiz Bowl loss, I still remember this, my mom uh, said to some concerned bystanders, she said, don't worry, he's just all stressed up with no place to go. Ugh. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Uh, 35 years later, I still remember that comment that you said offhandedly. Uh, Fortunately, I've grown up. And I know some of you would like to point out that I still cry an awful lot. But I'm not crying because I didn't win. Usually now what causes me to cry most is when I remember that Christ did win for us. The goodness of the gospel, the power of the gospel is what makes me emotional. But I was thinking about all this this week because of this idea of growing up. Uh, Here at City Church, right around this time of year, every year, we take a break from our sermon series, and I give what we call the State of City Church Sermon, and we're going to do that today. It's a sermon where we talk about uh, where we are and where we want to go. And today, the theme of the City Church, the State of City Church, is that we are a maturing church. We're a church that's growing You know, there are a lot of ways that we could talk about the state of City Church. We could talk about some numerical growth. The reality at City Church is that our attendance is as high as it's ever been. Our uh, budget is as big as it's ever been. Our membership is as big as it's ever been. Our staff is as long-tenured as it's ever been. And I, unlike Harrison, really like our staff. And in many ways, our, um, our building is as full and as busy on Sundays and throughout the week as it's ever been with different programs and activities. And those are all wonderful measures of growth, but they're not what I'm going to focus on today. Because I don't think they tell the real story of City Church. Maybe you've heard before, um, as people are explaining and justifying numerical growth, they'll say, well, healthy things grow. And that is true. But you know what else grows? Cancer. Tumors. Bad things also grow. And so I don't want us to get distracted by kind of numbers because they don't tell the whole story. And I believe that far more important 
then numerical growth is spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. And that's what I want to talk about in terms of the state of City Church. Because I think all of the numerical growth for a healthy church, a biblical church, is downstream of spiritual growth. The spiritual growth of the people individually and collectively. And that's what I want to talk with you all about today. You know, I, I'm particularly attuned to this because last summer you all were very kind and recognized that I had been a pastor at City Church for 15 years. And I was reflecting on those 15 years. And, and uh, on a parallel track, I also, over the last 15 years, have watched my own kids grow up, right? Uh, and my youngest child will turn 15 later this year. And so I've seen these parallel tracks of development, of growing up, of maturity in a church and in a family. And, you know, many of you might do this, that in your house somewhere on a door frame or the back of a closet door, you have all the lines measuring height over the years. And I feel like that's what I've been thinking about for City Church, reflecting on the ways, these marks on the wall where we've seen how we've grown, but also how we need to continue to grow as a church. So let's look at God's word. I think it has something to say about maturity for us as well. We're going to read from um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. So if you have a Bible, open up and follow along as I read these words out loud for us today. This is God's word that he's given to us because he cares for us. It says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, just as you send the rain to water the earth, so now we ask that you would send your word into our hearts and into our lives to cause it to grow and flourish. We seek the spiritual fruit that your word and your son Jesus gives. We pray that you would do this for us individually and together, and we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the state of City Church, City Church is a maturing church. If you uh, listen regularly to our daily uh, blog, uh, podcast, Good Morning City Church, you know that at the beginning of the year I talked about this theme a little bit already, and I referenced this passage. It's been on my mind, and uh, Earlier this month, we published a blog post on maturing church. What does that mean? And I want to focus on it today because I think it's key for all of us to understand. For City Church to be a maturing church, and specifically through God's Word and through our community. Now, this passage is riddled through and through with this theme of maturing. Did you notice as I read these verses, it's just six verses, but again and again it talks about what it means to be a maturing church. 
Here is, Paul is instructing one of the first churches in the history of the Christian church, the church in Ephesus. He keeps coming back to this theme that you need to be building yourself up. You need to be maturing. It starts in verse uh, 12. And it says uh, that he's equipped the church with all these different roles. Why? For building up the body of Christ. That's the idea. That's the purpose of pastors and teachers. That's the purpose of ministers. It's to build up the body of Christ. And that's the purpose of spiritual gifts. The gifts that God has given you, they're not just for you. They are for the building up of the body of Christ. So whether you sit in the pews on Sunday or whether you stand up front, your job is to build up the body of Christ. And then in the very next verse, it goes on to say, until we all attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And that phrase there, mature manhood, is, uh, it, it, it's really a picture of moving into adulthood. It's, uh, it, it's the idea of having gone through a process, you reach the end result that you were created, that you were designed for. That's what maturity is, a mature manhood for a church. I couldn't help but think this week as I was reading over this passage, and this is a, an old clip from a football coach from Oklahoma State, uh, Coach Gundy. And in a pref- press conference one time, he totally lost it. He just went off because a reporter had written this story about uh, his quarterback, gone after him and said some negative things about this uh, kid who was probably 19, 20 years old. And Coach Gundy says, if you want to come after someone, come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. That's what he was saying. He was saying, I've grown up. I've reached mature manhood. You can come after me. But don't go after the child. Don't go after the one who's undeveloped. Here Paul is laying out this idea for the church that he wants us to grow up into maturity. And he goes on to explain or contrast it with those who remain children. He says, so that you may no longer be children, tossed to and fro, influenced by deceitful schemes. What he's saying is that uh, children have a certain instability. As we're growing up, some of us may be prone to cry all the time. But as we grow up, we learn the skills and we take on the maturity to not be swayed by every wind that blows in our lives or in the world. That's what Paul wants the church to be. Reach mature manhood. Now, there are many commendable things about children. In fact, Scripture elsewhere tells us that their humble dependence upon God is something that we ought to imitate. But here, Paul is noticing something else about children, and he's saying that childishness should be put away. There's some things that can be forgiven as you're growing, as you're maturing, but what does it mean for us as a church to put away childish things? What are the things that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was okay for us as a church to, to not have or uh, not see fully developed? But now God is saying, mature manhood. Build up the body of Christ. Uh, he goes on to say in uh, verse 13, he says that you would reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
And it's kind of a weird phrase, right? He's piling up these phrases, and in some ways, some people think Paul is mixing his metaphors here a little bit. Like he's talking about time, is he talking about um, distance, the measure of the stature, the length, like what's going on here? In some ways, it doesn't matter exactly what the metaphor is because we, we know the point. Paul is saying, I want you to reach the fullness. I want you to embody everything that Christ is. And what I want to point out to you as well is is this isn't the first time in Ephesians that Paul has talked about the fullness of Christ. He actually brings it up first in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. He says this, He's talking about Christ and he says, and and God put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He talks about Christ and he says of the church, the church is the fullness of Christ. It is, it already is by the work of the gospel. And yet here in chapter 4, Paul changes it a little bit and he says to the church that you would become the fullness of Christ. So which is it? Is it something we are? Is it something that we should become? Yes, both. It's been given to us by God, but it's something that we strive after. We work together to put on, to become who we already are in the gospel. That's what maturity looks like. And so this is a very important point. What this means is we don't strive after maturity in order to receive God's blessing. We have already received the blessing of the gospel, the fullness of Christ, all by grace, not by our works. And because of that, we now strive with everything we have into maturity as a church. All right, and then uh, finally, he hits this theme at the very end of the passage as well. He says that we would grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Again and again, Paul is emphasizing that the church's purpose is one that moves to maturity, full-grownness, adulthood. What does that mean for us? What does that look like? I want to summarize it this way. I want to summarize uh, maturity, and we'll talk about this more this year as we return to this theme. Maturity is full-grown faith expressed in full-grown love. Let me say that again. Maturity is full-grown faith expressed in full-grown love. Another way to say it would be uh, being full of both faith and faithfulness. That's what it means for a church to be maturing, to be mature. And I want to take the rest of the time this afternoon to flesh it out in a, in a few particular ways, what this maturing looks like. And they come from the passage. The first is this, that we would be a maturing church through the Word, through the Word of God, through the Bible. That's essential. All five of the enumerated gifts that begin this passage in verses 11 and 12, all five of them have to do with the Bible in teaching the Bible, applying the Bible. What is the purpose of all these roles within the church? It is to help believers. It is to help you know and love the Bible that God has given to us. So I hope that what you see at City Church and, and what you experience at City Church and what you continue to experience at City Church is the centrality of the word. It's at the center of our worship service. That's why we read from it. 
because it is the source of our maturing. It is at the center of Good Morning City Church. Every day, in those five minutes, we read from the Word. It's at the center of our city groups. It's at the center of Sunday formation. Why? Because we believe the Word is what grows us up. If we want to become full-grown in our faith and in our love, we must know the Word of God. Paul underlines this again in this passage. He says in verse 13, he says, building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's why it happens through the word because how do we learn about the Son of God? How do we learn about Jesus? How do we learn about Christ? It is in the word. This is God's revelation given to us so that we would know Jesus Christ. Sometimes people criticize the church or they criticize a church like City Church and say, man, you make a big deal out of the Bible. Are you worshiping the Bible? No. We are worshiping the Christ of the Bible. We are worshiping Jesus and he is on every page. Every story in this book whispers his name. Why do we love the Bible? Because we love Jesus and the Bible tells us about Jesus. If you want to be a maturing Christian, and if we want to be a maturing church, we must love the Bible. So perhaps there's an application point for you. Are you reading the Bible? Are you loving the Bible? We can help you with that. We want to help you with that. Because the primary way that the people of God are mature is through God's word. You know, one of the things that I hear just about every semester at City Church is what a great teacher of the Bible Meg Hayden is. And our women's Bible studies that people love to go. Why? Because Meg's a celebrity? No. Because people from all over the nation listen to her? No. Because she teaches the Bible and makes it come alive. And here's the thing, I know we live in a day and age where there's a proliferation of podcasts. There's all sorts of content out there. There's all sorts of teaching on YouTube, and you can learn about the Bible. A lot of those sources are good, but I want to make, a, 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 make a, a call for reading the Bible and listening to the Bible and learning the Bible in the local community, because it hits different. When people know you and you know them. And it's not just a disembodied voice of someone teaching the Bible. That's the type of Bible teaching that leads to full-grown faith and full-grown love. All right, so we uh, become a maturing church through the word. The second way that we become a maturing church is through community. And Paul talks about this a ton in, the, in this Ephesians 4 passage as well. In fact, throughout the passage, you realize he's talking to a plural audience. He uses this word you, but he's talking about the community. He's talking to the saints, plural, right? The believers. He says this multiple times in the passage. He uses the language of a body, right? A collection of people. Yeah, they have different gifts, but they're all one as a body. He's using the word us, uh, speaking to the corporate dimension of this maturing. Our maturing happens through community. Perhaps it's clearest in this passage in verse 15. Look there again. It says, uh, after he's talked about no longer be children, he says this, rather, here's the contrast, rather speaking the truth in love. 
And literally, this passage, the word speaking isn't there. That's kind of supplied. Literally, what it says is truthing in love. It means embodying the truth. It means living out the truth. It's not just head knowledge, but it's, it's how the truth is expressed in our lives together with one another. It's so important that we would embody the truth in our community. Now, what we need to keep in mind here is that uh, our community life and our reliance on the word needs to have both truth and love together. Because some of you have been part of communities before that were really strong on the truth. But the truth without love is just hard and harsh and feels like a hammer. But love without truth can be squishy and soft. And so we need the two to move together, truth and love. And the way we do that is through the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that Christ gives to us that is both the Spirit of truth and love. John 15 talks about the Spirit of truth that Christ will give us to lead us. And what is the, the very first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Truth in love moving together to form a community that's maturing. I've talked about this before as a community with teeth. That means we need to be a community that's willing to point out sin in each other's lives. Uh, we need to be a community that says, leave your childish ways and grow up. But we also need to be a community that leads with love that recognizes the tender spots, the soft spots in all of our lives and points us back to the Jesus of the Bible. This is what Paul says throughout this passage and it's where the passage ends as well, doesn't it? When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, love Love is the ultimate mark of maturity for a church. Love is the lifeblood of a maturing church. I've talked before about one of my favorite books. It's called Love Big and Be Well. And I've loaned it out to so many of you that I never know if it's on my shelf or not. And I'll keep loaning it out to you because it's a fantastic book. And I've told this story before. It's the story of a, a man who came and visited this church and uh, the pastor was preaching and he was um, talking about love that day and apparently the way he was doing it wasn't satisfying to this man. And the man left uh, the, the church during the benediction, left out of the sanctuary and headed to his car. And the man on the welcome team who was stationed in the back chased him out to the parking lot and had a conversation with him. And he learned pretty quickly that this man didn't think that the, the church was presenting theology uh, robustly enough. And this man was very upset that the, the preacher kept talking about love. And he asked the question to this uh, man on the welcome team. He said, do you really think that's what the church is about? He was a simple man. He didn't know theology. He wasn't a biblical scholar. And so he looked at this visitor in the face and he said, yep. I think that pretty much sums it up. Love's the main deal. 
That's true for every healthy church, every maturing church. Yes, we love the Bible. Yes, we read the Bible. Yes, we study theology and learn theology. But at the end of the day, does it lead us to love? Love one another and love the world. Love is the main thing. And friends, you know this to be true. It's been your experience for many of you here at City Church. It's what made you stay and it's what makes you come back. There are people in this church who had a rotten fall. Family member passed away on the other side of the country. But this church loved that family well. And after they'd gotten back from the funeral, uh, the wife and mother sent me and a few other people an email that I want to read to you because it captures this idea of love. She said, lastly, y'all have shown up as friends and as a church community in so many ways that I cannot recall them all. You fed us, walked our dog, taken our kids, given rides to and from the airport, picked up our leaves, sent thoughtful notes and texts, and most importantly, prayed even when we could not. We feel so loved by so many people in so many ways. We can never repay you, but I know that's not the point. You have been with us, and that's the best gift of all. That's a maturing church. That's full-grown love. So I want to end by trying to give you some practical ways to live this out. Give us some practical ways to live this out. You know, I, I talked to a few people this week and I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to be giving the State of City Church sermon and I described this idea of being a maturing church. And a few people ask, well, how do you explain that? How do you explain the growth, the numerical growth, the other sorts of growth at City Church? And I thought about it for a minute, and then I realized I explain it by pointing to you. A maturing church is not a sign of a mature pastor. It's a sign of people, normal, ordinary people like you, filled with full-grown faith and full-grown love. And then I also said, well, do you remember what we talked about last year? And last year, I emphasized two things. I emphasized prayer and outreach. And I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that City Church is moving towards growth and to maturing because we focused on prayer and outreach. We drew close to God's heart, and He honored that and blessed that. So what does it look like for us to take the next steps as a maturing church? It's prayer, it's outreach, it's welcome, and it's love. Powell, that's the best I could do. I didn't come up with a good acronym. But it's because the ideas matter so much more than the specific words, right? 
prayer. I encourage you to continue to be a praying church and a praying people. In the worship guide today, there's a particular request for you to share your prayer request for this coming year for the team that's putting together our annual report. And I would challenge you to be vulnerable in those prayer requests. That's part of what it means to be a mature community, that we would break open our hearts before each other and even say out loud some of the things that we're praying for. There's risk in that. But that's a sign of a maturing community that trusts each other in love. Second is outreach. Again, we, we can't move on from this. We never move on from this. The church exists for people who are not here this afternoon. I want you to think about that. In every church event that you go to, are you thinking about who you can invite, who you can reach out to in the gospel? It may not be a worship service. It might be something else. It might be a women's retreat. It might be a, a small group. It might be an oyster roast. But are you thinking about the people who aren't here that the church exists for? And then welcome. Well, what does welcome mean? You know, every uh, time our leadership meets as a church, we read through some covenants that we have together. And the first one is that we believe that spending time together is not a waste of time. That's what welcome is. Being with one another is not a waste of time. We did City Church Basics, our, our, our uh, new members class last weekend, and someone pointed out that at City Church, we have this really long and awkward greeting time in the middle of our service. It's cringy, isn't it? But we believe that spending time together is not a waste of time. We want, in the middle of our service, for you to extend the welcome of God to one another. People who are here for the first time, or the tenth time, or the thousandth time. And there are ways that you can do this during our service. You know, another thing that we need to keep in mind, and I, I shared this probably a couple of years ago, but it's worth repeating again. We need to be mindful of where we're sitting in the sanctuary. If you always sit in the back, I encourage you to come forward, because the uh, the people who walk into our service late, if all the back rows are filled, they'll say there isn't room for me here. I'm not welcome. So even where you choose your seat on a Sunday can express the welcome of God to others. Lastly, love. Love is a sign of a maturing church. I've already talked about this, haven't I? You know, one thing that we've said over the last 15 years we've recognized at City Church is that City Church is the first church that many people join as an adult. That may be true for you as you sit here today. You said, yeah, I went to a church with my parents growing up and then I sort of went to church a little bit in college. But when I was an adult, City Church was the first church that I joined. It's wonderful. We want to continue to be that sort of church. And, and, I want City Church to be the first church that you stayed at through pain and sorrow and death, right? Because that becomes the mark of love. You said there for the first time is a place that I received love when I was at my depths. It's, or the first place where I gave love to someone else when they were in their depths. That's a maturing church. And for some of you who have been here for six months or you've been, 
been here for two or three years. There are people here who've been here for 12 years or 15 years, and they can teach you how to do that. They can teach you how to be a maturing church. We have to do this for one another. And I know looking out this afternoon that there are some of you who are in this church and you've been living with unchosen singleness for longer than you ever thought you would. And there are others of you who uh, are dealing with the throes of uh, having little kids. And there are others of you who have broken relationships that are beyond repair. And there are others of you who have dealt with the death of a parent or a child or a spouse. A mature church with full-grown faith and full-grown love will love you. And you will love others. On Friday, uh, Carl Meyer and I went up to D.C. to visit with one of our ministry partners. We had lunch, and on the way up, we stopped and had coffee with a mutual friend. His name is Stephen Garber. He's preached here years ago, and I've referenced him many times. And uh, he's just a dear soul who speaks truth. And one of, one of the things that he's said through the years that's really resonated with me is he said, uh, choose your neighbor before you choose your house. You repeated that on Friday, we were talking about it. And because I was thinking about church and the state of city church, I thought of a corollary to that. I wanna, I wanna share with you. Because I think it's a sign of what it would mean to be a maturing church, a mature church together, that we would choose a church before we choose our lives. A lot of times the church is the last thing that we slot into our lives. The community of faith where we're going to learn about God, where we're going to love other people. I'll figure that out at the end. What if we figured it out at the first? What if we started there? I think that's the pathway to full-grown faith and full-grown love. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these friends and for the fact that for uh, 15 years, many of us have built one another up in love. And I pray that in the next 15 years, you would continue to do that work in us and through us, that you would root us in your word, that you would fill us with the fullness of Jesus Christ, and that you would cause us to be a community that believes and embodies the truth that love is the main thing. And as we do that, we pray uh, not against every sadness, not against every circumstance that we wish wouldn't be, but we pray for the presence of Jesus and Jesus' people walking with us until we reach the other side. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.